Episode number four. The gang's all here. Nick. What's up? Bob. What's crappin'? Evan. Yo, what's up? What's going on, guys? What's happening? Good to Anything see you. Anything new and exciting this week? Who wants to go first? Dude, I'll go I first. Never go. I never just so you guys know, I never go first. No. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so my week's been uh I don't know, fairly eventful, or mediumly eventful, I guess. I uh, had my first mechanical failure on the Gowie X5. The torque tube gears that were in there were the same ones that have been in there on the shelf for nearly a decade. So I, I ended up melting the, with a front torque tube gear. It wasn't. It was only a couple of feet off the ground, so I just autoed down or whatever and replaced it. I got a few spares for that, but I was surprised that... Uh, um, after that crash, I was surprised that I didn't have like any other failures because it's all the same plastic and other hardware that's on there. It's just been sitting there. So in my mind, I'm going, is, is there anything else on this helicopter that's kind of brittle or what? But so far, everything's holding up pretty good. Um, I found a set of 520 millimeter blades in my blade bag. Some old blades that I flew on this thing way back when. I don't know why I didn't fly them anymore. But So I turned my head speed down a little bit. Now I'm flying these bigger blades and... Just having a good time cruising the old vintage stuff, man. You woodies? Know? No, not woodies. They're still carbon fiber. Gowie came out with this uh, 520 millimeter set back when um, they turned the the 425 into carbon fiber. They had a carbon fiber upgrade frame, and then they had a stretch kit for it. So they started playing around with longer blades. Ironically, these blades were discontinued because people would fly them at, at really high head speeds, and they were breaking at the root and stuff. So after I put them on, I'm like, oh, shit, these are the ones that got recalled. Except I'm flying them like considerably lower head speed than people were trying to fly back then. Right. So I'm not really worried about like them failing or anything like that. They're just they're bigger. The disc is bigger. And so it's just something different to try, you know, and I've got this hodgepodge of blades that I went back through and reweighed and and balanced and stuff into sets. And so I've got like three sets that I can work with on this and this old lighted set that I have, I'm going to take the lights off that and, you know, bring those lights up to speed. I got some SMD LEDs that are a lot smaller. I'm going to put on there and just keep nerdy farting around with this thing. You know, um, I've been How's doing some bench- coming along. Yeah. I was just going to say, I've been doing some bench work on that 600, Dan, uh, I got them both the 500 and 600 are built, but the 600 is all tuned up. Um, the last couple of bits, um, I just got those. They just came in the mail. Um, I got the blade grip arms uh, back on. Uh, so the the one was bent pretty bad. So now everything lines up like it should. I went through the B-Stack settings on that, you know, and tuned everything up where the swash is level, did the six degrees in the whole nine yards. And 
so at this point, yeah, I'm just waiting to, to fly it. You know, uh, I, I'm kind of biting at the bit. I got this six cell pack here, so I feel like I want to make up a rig just so I can spool it up. But I think I'm going to wait. I've got some good news for you, Rob. Oh, yeah? What's that? Our good friend, Frank. He, uh, of course, he, he he's the team manager of Maniacs. So I was talking with him the other day, and I have in my hand, well, I have it in email, <laughs> a tracking number for a 12S pack. So a big thanks to Maniacs. You know, they're, yeah. they're sending us a 12S pack for Rob to get that 600 up in the air. Dude, that's baller. That's that's really cool. Awesome. Thanks, yeah, guys. Yeah, so I don't know. I think it's going to be there. Yeah, I looked the other day, but I think um, end of this week, maybe Saturday. So you should have that yeah. there. So big thanks to Frank and, the, and all the guys at Maniacs. Thank you so much for helping out with that 600 project for Rob, getting back into a little bit more modern of a machine. Yeah, that's for awesome, sure. Man. Yeah, that's rad. I've, I've been, you know, I see a lot of folks post about those batteries and they really like them. It seems like they're the bee's knees. So I'm really anxious to try them out and uh, have some feedback about those too. I, I'd like to try the packs. I remember way back in the day uh, when OptiPower first came around, those those were like the new hotness on the block and it, it was fun to try those out. But since then, I've been kind of out of the battery game and it seems like maniacs. Yeah, they're the ones, right? Uh, Way back in the day, all us old people remember Thunder Power were the guys. You know, they they made oh, the yeah. densest, highest power packs, and so it'll be cool to be able to fly the six hundred around without some some of the low buck Amazon jobbers. You know, the clone jobber packs. You know, I can actually get some real performance out of this beast. So awesome, dude! Thanks, Dan, for bring sending me the six hundred. This is this is really fun. I've been thank you, really Frank. Itching to, yeah, thanks, Frank, for getting a battery because I've been having a great time relearning how to set up a helicopter. And now I'll, I'll be able to mate in this thing this weekend. And who knows? Maybe if we play our cards right, you'll get your crash story, Dan. Uh, <laughs> no, no, we'll, 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 so, keep it, we'll keep it out of the ground as long as we can. Bef- before you move on with the other helicopter, just a little bit of a walk down memory lane for some of our newer listeners. You mentioned the OptiPower packs. Now, that was back when Andrew Hinton Lever, 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 I'm not sure how you pronounce the actual, the actual yeah. name, but... Um, you were the first person in the United States to get OptiPower packs. You remember that, right? Yeah, I do. Yep, yep. Took yeah, it he to got in touch with us and he sent cool. Rob, he sent you that canopy and everything. I have, yep, I saw both of those with the upside down OptiPower logo for Flash yeah. Converted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was, uh, it was an interesting, it was interesting to get those packs and uh, you, you had pretty good luck with them. And of course they, I don't, are they, Nick, are they even on the market anymore? I don't think I've seen them. I have not seen them. I haven't seen them in a bit myself either. Yeah, yeah they, they had a good run for a while there. Yeah, they sure did. I think they're still doing fuel though, right? I believe so in the UK. I don't think you can get it over here. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the nitro fuel is Europe only. Yeah. Yeah, that's how it was before. They were nitro fuel in Europe. Everybody started going electric. So they're like, hey, let's play around with the batteries. They released them in Europe. They're like, hey, let's try the States. And that's enter RCHN version two. Yep. So anyway, what other, what else, so, uh, what are you working on that 500 still? Yeah. So I got the 500 up, uh, you know, again, you know, all these things are kind of old. I know this, there's uh one of the teeth on the back of the tail. Looks like it might want to go. So I'm keeping an eye on that. I've got a, a front torque tube set coming. This is the one, 
Um, I've learned a lot about these frames and I wasn't aware until I got this thing that the TRX 500 and the 600, apparently there's like 450,000 different versions that you can get. <laughs> yes, and there so, is. So I'm doing all the, like the calculus to try and figure out which, yeah. which beast I've got here. And it's a, it's the, I believe it's the 500 EFL, um, combo. Pro, isn't it? It's the pro. But so here's the thing. In the manual for that, the front torque tube gear is a 36-tooth gear so that the tail is a little bit slower, right? Because th- everybody wants to run really high head speeds. But this one, the frame is set up where the tail box in the front or the, the front of the tail boom, the, the assembly up there, will only accept a 31-tooth. So I went looking around. I f- and actually, in the bag here, there's a 36-tooth replacement, but it doesn't fit. I could probably file the box and get it in there, right? But, you know, again, I'm I'm, I'm kind of a medium to low head speed guy, so... I'm okay with leaving the 31 tooth on the tail will be a little bit faster and hopefully tighter. So we'll see what happens. That's going to come on Friday too. So I hope maybe I'll be able to put both these birds in the air this weekend. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, nice. Another, yeah. Another uh, piece of heli nerdiness that I had just today here, actually, before we started recording, I, uh, I had been working on my Gowie 200. You guys heard me talk about it in the other a few episodes ago about how I don't have any good blade grips. Well, and I had talked about the T-Rex 450 tail. There used to be this mod where you could take the tail hub from a T-Rex 450 and use it as the main head on the Gowie 200 because the main shaft is the same size as the tail shaft would have been. So, and I had done that way back in the day. I set up a, a no fly barless controller Gowie 200, just had the tail gyro and a receiver in it with that same head, fully rigid head. Um, and that's one of the last iterations I had way back when, right? And it's been sitting on the shelf and I was like, well, I'm going to build it in the, the proper FBL style, trying to put the fly barless head on there, but I didn't have any good grips. So I'm like, you know what, fuck it. And I went back and I dug through my parts bin and I found a couple of grips. The arms were kind of bent, so I put them in my vise with some pliers and bent them back, got them as straight as I could, reamed in some screws, got some balls on there. And so now I've got this Franken head on this uh, Gowie 200, no fly barless controller, took it out right before we recorded and made in the thing and the thing actually flies. So after 10 years of sitting on the shelf, that little janky piece of shit still flies too. So, um, and without a fly barless controller. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I had to post it on my YouTube channel right before I got in here, so I'll have to send you guys a link. You can watch. It's just me hovering around, but still no no fly barless controller in there, no computers, no V-Bar Neos or B-Stex goodness or any of that. You know, just just me right on the swash plate. Now that you mention it, your your YouTube channel, what, and it's what? It's Next Gen RC, is that what it is? Yeah, YouTube.com slash Next Gen RC. So I actually... This weekend, I was just kind of going, I don't know, you know, sometimes you find yourself going down a YouTube YouTube rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I was going through your channel and I just, it was uh, a little nostalgic because we were, you know, it was back when you were doing some build videos for RCHN version two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like the Outrage build series and stuff. It was kind of cool yeah. to go through some of that old stuff. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. I almost forgot about that series. That dude, that helicopter was really fun to build, you know, from the build side of our hobby, you know, let's face it, all of us have to, on some level, like building a little bit, but I really liked the building part and that frame was, it was a fun three-dimensional puzzle to put together for sure. And for those of you who still you know, I guess there's a lot, there's quite a few folks still applying the, the Beast X. So you've got a whole build series or a tuning series on the Beast X too, which uh, I was pretty imp- – some of those videos had a lot of views, dude. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like 50, 60,000 people. Heck yeah. That was back when the BSEX first came out and nobody really knew how to use it. And the Gowie 200 was like that and the uh, T-Rex uh, 250. The Gowie 200 came out first, right? And so if you wanted micro that actually performed like a bigger heli, you had to get that. But, you know, we all know that those small things just kind of work themselves apart. They're, they're prone to vibrations. They're notoriously difficult to tune. So somehow I found a niche where I was good at that. And so I've got BSTEX videos for the 200. I got some that are integrated into a line T-Rex 250 build, one on my old Hurricane 550. Um, I don't think I went too far into the setup when I built the X5 because by then I had done it so many times on on my channel, you know. But um, I found myself I found myself going back to those trying to set these things up. I found another guy, this Freddie Can Fly guy. I don't even know if the guy oh, still yeah. flies. Yeah, he had some good videos, and I watched the AR seventy two hundred BX ones to follow along for this T Rex six hundred build. You know, because it's it's version three software and it's it's integrated, so it's a little. I don't think he flies anymore. I, don't, I, I like his videos. So Freddie, Freddie can fly. Shout out to you, man. If you hear this, I I dug your videos. Thanks for the help on the the B stacks, man. Yeah, he was selling helicopters in conjunction with. I'm going to get it wrong, so I don't want to say the company, but he, you know, was shifting some of the OMP M2 stuff for a while. Oh, okay. um, but I haven't heard anything of him in the last, you know, year or so. So I'm not sure. Yeah. Right. The ebb and flow of life, right? Yep. So, so yeah, that's where I'm at in Heliland, man. Um, lots got some good flights in, no crashing. Um, the kids at the local park, I, I mentioned before that I live right next to a park. Um, I'm starting to, kids are starting to, I'm see, starting to see some of the same kids. So at some point they're going to know about, the the guy with the big mustache that flies the big helicopters, you know, <laughs> that'll be kind of fun. I'll end up with this little crowd of kids all the time. I have to do the lessons every time, but I like that part, you know, the little, just kids leave the white there. van at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that parked in the, inside the just, gate there. Keep candy in your pockets. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, that sounds like a good week, man. Yeah, it was a good time. All right, who's next, Devin? You want to go next? What'd you do? I can go next. All right. So this week been a long week, long weekend. Was a good weekend, but so last week on Tuesday I had to go to the eye doctor because I had pink eye. Great. Oh, you know how you get pink eye, right? You're supposed to wash your hands after you take a shit. Yeah. Yeah. After you take them dirty ass socks off, man. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, but my eyes were bothering me. I had pink eyes, so I got the medicine for that. It was two days before I was leaving for Heli Extravaganza, so I was like, <sighs> oh, "Oh, crap!" Uh, hopefully, I can go, but it was all good. They all cleared up by Thursday, weren't red anymore, and it was great. But nice. besides that, I spent most of Wednesday and Thursday just packing up, getting ready for the eleven-hour drive to South Carolina. Um getting the trailer ready, getting my helis ready, going through maintenance, making sure they're all prepared and everything like that. And then Thursday after school started my 11-hour drive to South Carolina. That was long as hell. Dude, that's it, I bet. Straight through or what? Ooh, yeah. Me and my dad, um, we shifted. He did six hours and I did five hours. Nice. So we were just going back and forth and uh, – Burnt a lot of diesel to get down there, but it was very much so worth it. Got there Friday morning at right around 8 o'clock, I think we pulled in. And started flying, getting everything organized. He, My pops went to pick up the RV rental that we got through with Frank Mordios, of course. And um, 
because we we opted not to bring our trailer because after we did the math, it would have been like seven hundred dollars in diesel just to bring our trailer down to South Carolina with us. No, I bet. Oh yeah, it was. We were like, oh my god, we love our trailer, but <laughs> that's a lot of money. So we rented an RV. It ended up being like four hundred dollars for the weekend. It's all said and done, really cheap. It was nice RV too. So started flying Friday, flying my Oxy Five and the uh, Glogo Gasser, having a lot of fun. Uh, Saturday we did some more flying, and then I have a great story for Saturday mid afternoon. Dan, you're gonna love this. Excellent. Uh, my Glogo Gasser is no longer a complete helicopter. Oh, shit. Oh, oh sad Gasser. So brokenhearted. Trying to you whack the weeds, huh? Um, yeah, so. That's very passive aggressive. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You could, you could hear it in his voice how happy he is. I almost heard <laughs> the giggle in the background there. Yeah. It was there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I was so brokenhearted. I was doing, it was a nine minute flight of uh, my 3D style. And at nine and a half minutes, the blades decided to cut the tail boom off and the rest mm. was history. It's because you got carpal tunnel because you flew too damn long in one stretch. Right. I don't, I don't have that issue. I don't, I don't get carpal oh. tunnel. <laughs> you don't get like flyers fatigue where you start thinking about other stuff. You're like, oh well, shit, I got I probably should land. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that does happen every now and then I could say. But no, not this flight. I not, was really feeling it. I had Scott Graham behind me egging me on, and a Chris Nutt, and a bunch of people behind me egging me on. So it was a, it was great. But the heli hit the ground with extraordinary power. Oh, and it did the lovely dance, the dance, the circle dance, the chicken dance, chicken dance. Oh yeah, yeah. it did the lovely chicken dance. Destroyed my pipe on it and everything, but it was a spectacular crash. Spectacular. So since it was a gasser, it probably sounded like a badger having a seizure. Just <laughs> well, it was kind of pitched. a kind of because the pipe kind of it bent so bad it pulled off the manifold oh. of the motor. So it was, <laughs> it was screaming. So it got real loud. Pitch. Oh yeah, it got real loud real fast. So, so is it salvageable or is there one less gasser in the world? There's one less gasser in the world. It is pretty destroyed. So um, Yay! I was going to rebuild it and and keep it for my pops to fly because my pops is more of a sport pilot. And he's still toying with that idea, but um, I think we're going to scratch that and we're going to build a different gasser, go a different route. And There um, you go. Yeah, exactly. That's I would, I would like something that I know will stay in one piece through a whole flight. So, um, but on Saturday night, great night flying as well. A, a lot of carnage as usual. And then Sunday, Sunday just hung out and then packed up and went to see my grandparents in North Carolina. And then, you know, Monday, Labor Day, just chilling out. Tuesday, I had more school. And then we're back to today, to Wednesday, where I'm just chilling out after work again recording my favorite podcast oh nice a full featured weekend man that's pretty sweet yeah it was nice it was a long weekend i I think we went to bed at like three in the morning on saturday i saw some videos 
So how'd the yeah. night flying go, huh? Do you tear we're it we're up gonna don't go into too much detail. We're gonna talk about. We, uh, we got to save some for later, Rob. Oh, yeah. Come on, okay. Rob. <laughs> Jeez. But it was a great weekend. I had a great time. It was awesome seeing all of my southern folks that I don't get to see that much. So, um, but that was my week. Nick, how about you? I had another awesome week, man. It's uh, been nice to be home for a few weeks in a row, which is not normal this time of year for me. So uh, it's kind of my last fun week. I go back to work and I travel on Saturday for another project. So uh, when we last spoke, I was in uh, Huntsville, Alabama at uh, Nick Maxwell's shop there. Uh, filming a project for Heli Direct. There, we spent uh, three days with Nick in total. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to talk to you about what we filmed. We've got about 15 hours of footage in the can, and I can't share any details yet until Heli Direct shares it. But it was awesome, and I learned an epic amount of stuff. Like you're such we, a tease, it, man. It, I know, and I want to share because it was awesome, and I learned so much stuff. And the more I spent with him, the more money I spent. I was like, "Oh, I need one of those," and "Oh, wow, oh, that's a good idea." Oh, I got to get that. So, <laughs> it was not an inexpensive trip uh, as far as that went, um, but it was awesome. I learned uh, a ton, so I'm excited to be able to talk about that in the coming weeks. And then when we spoke last week, we were talking about this Goose Guy S2 flipping the tail motor, right? So the other side of the rotor, like, which, again, not like me to just watch a video from some random person I've never heard of and be like, oh, okay, let's do that. See what happens. Um, but you just did got, just that. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that anyway, because I'm like, it's a $200 helicopter. Like, what's the worst that happens? Right. Um, and I flipped it to the other side and I rung it out at a larger field the other day and I couldn't tell the difference. It flew exactly the same to me, only much quieter, right? So the noise huh. was so much more tolerable for whatever reason. I have no idea why. But the flight performance was the fine. And then uh, I handed the transmitter to my buddy Sean, who flies much harder than I do. And he tried beating on the thing and he could not get the tail to blow out no matter what he tried. And he was like, man, I'm going to do the same to mine. Like it's way quieter. I'm like, I know. So, uh, that was fun. I actually put in, I went flying today, uh, here in town with a few guys and we were doing tandems with like a logo 200 and my goose guy S2. And we were just having an absolute ball with those things, man. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. Um, and it's funny if you've ever done a tandem or had more than, you know, two micro helicopters in the air at the same time, what happens is, is you try and glance to see where the other one is. Like I can hear there's a hurricane going and I'm trying to catch up to him and figure out where he is. And you turn away for a hot second and then you're like, where the hell's my helicopter? So there were a lot of moments that like we were losing, you know, each other's micros as we were trying to track each other. And you're like, where the hell are you? And then you find yourself zooming off into the distance as the time oh, goes on. Have to yeah, that's back. spooky. <laughs> it was, but it was more funny than anything else. It was just comedy gold. And uh, we crashed. The, the field is, is fortunately, I guess, not very well mowed right now. So we stuffed them into the ground a bunch of times today. And the grass is so tall, you would just hit hold and it would be fine. You pick it back up, throw it back in the air. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So definitely enjoying the Goose Guy S2 for sure. Um, I put it in at the other field where the grass is cut a lot tighter. Uh, inverted on the head, lost orientation, just being stupid. And hit hold, and it popped a link off. I popped the link right back on and flew the rest of the battery out. So it's a, it's a tough little helicopter. So that, that's been fun. Damn, that's nice. Yeah, it's been cool. Um, but uh, I know we're going to talk about Heli-X uh, a little bit later. But uh, 
I had this crazy idea uh, for Heliax this time, and it was that I was going to take my two kids with me because my wife was out of town, and I'm like, I either can't go to the fun fly or I bring my two kids with me. And I'm like, well, let's camp too. So I didn't have a lot of time after getting back from Alabama, but it took me like a day and a half to pack up myself, the clothes for the kids. That's my dog yawning right behind me. I hope you didn't hear that. Um, (laughs) But all my stuff. Uh, the stuff for the kids, the camping stuff, the food stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the worst idea I have ever had in the history of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about how that all came to a crashing halt uh, a little bit later. Um, but that took up uh, way more of my time than I thought it would. Um, but when I got back from Heliax, which I ended up coming home Saturday night of the fun fly. That's a long story. We'll get into that later. But man, on Sunday, I went out to the field to fly because I was like, I need redemption. I need more flights in. Um, And it was one of those days where it would be like drive for 30 minutes and it would rain for 10 minutes and drive for 30 minutes and rain for 10 minutes. And man, we had a ball. We couldn't have cared less. The rain showers were like these little sprinkles. Like we were just pounding out the flights on Sunday. It was an awesome day. Um and uh, from that crazy day, so I had the Nimbus 550, the XL Power helicopter, out with me. And now that I'd gotten through the fun fly, because I've only just had it built for, I don't know, a month or so, I'm like, now I can really see how this this 550 autos, right? Because now I don't care if I crash it. It's no big deal. I'm yeah. not trying to keep it safe for the fun fly. So I start doing autos, and we have, it's a planker field, uh, although it's very heli-friendly. So you got this nice geotex, really smooth runway. So I like to do autos from uh, right to left. And then you flare, and then I rock the tail around towards me, and then you start sliding the helicopter back towards yourself. And you basically are like you're dragging it on the front of the skids, and it slides backwards, and it stops about five feet from you if all goes well. Um, so I started doing a few of those, and uh, <clears throat> the, the runway was a little slick from all the rain. So the first one or two, I kind of caught the tail fin in the grass at the edge of the runway, and the heli stopped, and it seemed fine. But... Uh, Apparently, I had weakened the tail fin through this. So the last one of these I do, um, come down, and you know it feels totally normal. It slides, it comes back, it stops short of the grass. I pick up the helicopter, and I put it on the table. And when I put it on the table, the tail rotor touches the table. And I'm like, my brain is going, what's wrong with this picture? And I'm like, there's <laughs> no tail fin. <laughs> so I'm like, where's the tail fin? So I walk back out to the runway, and the tail fin... I shit you not, is standing straight up. The tip of the tail fin had like dug into the runway and stuck there and sticking perfectly straight up is my tail fin in the center of the runway. (laughs) Didn't even notice. I I covered the tail fin in vinyl to make it a little more visible. And I think it was literally probably cracked, but the vinyl was the only thing holding it on. So like it just slid, dropped the tail fin and kept going. Um, Nice. (laughs) And I'd only brought that helicopter and the S2 with me and I didn't have anything else to fly so i'm like well screw it i'm gonna fly it without a tail fin so it looked crazy weird um and i had to be really careful when i landed that you know i kept things dead level and didn't dig a tail blade but uh managed to get three more packs on it with no tail fin and uh had an awesome day um and then i got home from flying and i was the only one here and somehow i took a three-hour couch nap i was so tired from the weekend and the fun fly and flying and all that so that was awesome anyway those are the best Oh, it was awesome. I mean, it was a little yeah. bit of a big mistake at one o'clock in the morning when I wasn't tired, but um, <laughs> uh, there was that. Uh, I do want to do one quick shout out here to come back to the video project. Uh, so there was a moment that in every sort of uh, production technician's nightmare 
where you're recording footage of something and something breaks, right? And we literally lost about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes of footage of things we had filmed. And I had, oh, to, no. go to, and I had to go up to Nick and be like, Nick, we got to redo the last 40 minutes. Like, here's where I have the footage up till. We had an issue with one of the drives. Um, and it's no good. And I got to tell you, he was a total pro. He's like, all right, no big deal. Let me, let me get reset. And like, couldn't have cared less. Super professional. So thanks, Nick, if you're listening for uh, um, just being so gracious about all that. Um, and uh, I think that's just about it for me in terms of buying things. I bought more video gear, including a backup record drive in case that ever happens again. <laughs> and uh, haven't ordered much new hobby stuff this week. Lots of little odds and ends. I'm, I'm getting geared up for the, the Nick Maxwell edition uh, Spectre V2 build. So I've been trying to figure out telemetry between the Hobbywing ESC I already have for this heli and Futaba CGY760. So I've been buying like little knickknacks like telemetry adapters. And oh, speaking of this, and then I'll be quiet and be done. I swear I'm talking way too much. Sorry. But I want to kind of rant on Futaba, right? So when you have an ESC, you buy often an ESC programmer box, right? And if you want to update the ESC with new software, you usually hook this programmer box up to a computer with a USB cable, and then you connect to the other end from the programmer box to the ESC, and then you update it all with the computer, right? Yeah. Well, I go to update, and I'm like, you know what? I really should make sure before I get started down this path with the CGY and the 32MZ, I should get everything updated, make sure I'm on the latest software across the board. So I update the radio. That was really easy. And then I'm like, okay, I've got to update the programmer box, and then I've got to update the CGY. So I take the programmer box out and I'm like, there's no USB port on this thing. So I start reading manuals and digging around online. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You have to buy another adapter to update the program box so that you can use the program box to update the FBL. What? I'm like, why can you not just put a, a USB port on the side of the program box like everybody else does? But nope. So you need a thing to update the thing to update the other thing, which is oh, a little geez. ridiculous. So. Uh, that's my rant over, and uh, that's it for my week. Uh, kind of sounds like stand? a kind of, well. It kind of sounds like a PC thing versus Mac when it comes to audio production, right? Oh, in terms of like the record data we lost. Well, no, that's you know it's not so much the case nowadays. But back in the old days, it's like uh, when I used to have to use audio interfaces and various other components on a PC. Download this driver, update that driver, delete this driver, put that yeah. other driver in, and maybe it'll work. Or use the Mac, plug it in, and everything works. Just saying. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> see, that's the experience I want for ESCs and FBLs. Like, I want full integration. I want it to just work when I plug it in. So I get annoyed when I have to, like, when it's non-intuitive and I really have to dig into, like, like I literally ordered two different Futaba telemetry adapters because I'm really still not quite sure which is the right one because um, there's no documentation anywhere. It's just not evident. It's not that, you know, Apple, it just works experience. Yeah. It's weird how some there are certain things in the hobby that just seem to be void of backstory. Like I remember back in the day, there was always this, uh, there was this guy Finless Bob, and for all the noobs, if you ever needed to know something, you could at least go find Finless Bob, and you'd you'd learn about it. But these days, there's just weird ass gaps in things, and so you have, like you're saying, Nick, you have to like blaze your own trail and figure it out. And by the time you get to the end, 
you're so worn out from it. It's, it's not like you feel like documenting that for all the rest of the people to make it easier. You're like, well, shit. Okay, let's just move on. Ah. Yeah. Or honestly, like you succeed at it, but you have so little confidence with the path you took to get there. You're like, I'm not the expert. I really <laughs> yeah. shouldn't share my experience, right? I'm not, I can't guide you down this path. Uh, you have to figure it out on your own. <laughs> I mean, well, the truth is, is there are a lot of really helpful people in the Futaba yes. camp I could reach out to, but I I like being stubborn and I like to like fight through these problems myself because I learn more that way. Um, but in Futaba's defense, yeah. there are people I could have reached out to. Well, what, what I found kind of coming back into it is, um, and, and re, you know, needing to relearn a bunch of stuff was, it seems that that information is there and it's available, but but the issue I was having was how do I phrase the question so that I get the answer I'm looking for and don't have to decipher a bunch of ancillary stuff? Right. Yeah. Yep. And I also think that I was making it a hell of a lot harder than it was. I have a tendency to do that with everything I do. So <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that bad. I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. I think a lot of people do that. I think it's human nature. It's gotta be more complicated than this. I, uh, I'm off my game. Like it's been this last week for me has just been not good. No flying, obviously same situation. Can't yeah. really walk. So the ankle. wife was actually away this weekend, uh, in Nashville and it was, I was just kind of fending for myself. Getting bed sores on your ass in the recliner all the weekend well, or what? <laughs> What I found was one thing that I've come to realize is how much I actually rely on my wife to get a lot of stuff done. And I think I kind of take that for granted. I think what it boiled down to is uh, I just was using my ankle too much. And by Saturday afternoon, it literally felt like I just stepped out of surgery for a couple of days. It was, man, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was bad, like uh, not able to sleep, not able to really do anything. No, no flying to speak of <laughs> a little bit of simming, but I couldn't even barely sit at a computer. I had to sit with my ankle elevated. But last couple of days, um, I've literally just been sitting in a recliner with my feet underneath two pillows. And um, right now, everything's kind of back to normal. Well, so I'm not. Good. Yeah, it's definitely much better. I was getting a little worried about it. Kind of felt like there was a circulation issue going on or something, something out of the ordinary because it just didn't feel right. To then I was talking to Nick, Nick, Nick's wife. It's um, without going into too much information detail. She had a similar ankle issue a while back, and what I was telling you, you were like, "Yeah, that's kind of the same shit she was going through." So it kind of seems. That's just the way it is with ankle surgery. Yeah. We just got to stay off it, man. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's easier said than done. I know, it right? Is. You can't be going out and getting them big-ass pretzels and shit. <laughs> you got to stay home. Well, I've got a chair for that. That's the good That's the good thing, but... Yeah, well, I suppose that's true. It's not easy to just sit at home and do nothing. Literally nothing. Yeah, that's hard, man. You get stir crazy quick. You do. It's, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, YouTube, Netflix, pretty soon you're like, I just can't, I don't, I don't even want to 
turn the TV on, but then you just sit there like, oh. So can you fly yeah. on your property? Are you like right in town, like right in the middle of the neighborhood or what's the deal there? We're on the edge of town, but there's not enough. For, I don't have heli- anything small enough to fly here. Oh, yeah. I'm really itching to get out and do some flying. And we're going to try to do that this weekend. One thing I wanted to talk to you, Devin, you got that event coming up this weekend, right? Yes, I do. Have you checked the weather? Uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Yeah? As of right now, yeah. No promises, but... I was talking to the wife and she's like, well, if you want, we can drive out there for the day. So I'm kind of hoping that that happens. I'd like to bring one helicopter with me. Do it. Do it. That would be awesome. Do yeah. It. She's, she's like, you know, you got to get out of the house, man. You got to, you got to, <laughs> you got to do something. Hell yeah, man. We'll that- see. That'd be great. Uh, if the weather looks like it's not going to cooperate, I probably won't. I haven't had a chance to personally check the weather yet. Yeah, it's looking pretty good right now. We, we're kind of just keeping an eye on it every morning and seeing how it changes because you know how the weather is. Right. <laughs> Dan, we just got to get you a big poncho and then a mount for like one of those big five-person family size umbrellas. And we can just park you right on the flight line and you can just wait <laughs> for the sprinkles to stop and then get back out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. I don't think I don't think we're gonna be doing that. But no, it's uh, it's something I'd like to do. We're gonna try to do something this weekend, but it it doesn't really involve <laughs> helicopters unless we can get out to. One day this weekend, I actually do want to go flying, whether it's here or whether it's in New Jersey. So yeah, um, the one thing that I am not used to living here on the East coast and dealing with toll roads. Oh yeah. There's a lot of them. Oh dude. So when I went out to Allen park last time, I took just a truck and a pop-up Yes. small little teeny little RV, $140 in tolls. And it's two hours, two hours and 25 minutes away. Yeah. This New Jersey hits pretty hard with that stuff. The, the worst offender was Pennsylvania from here to uh, Philadelphia. Oh, that's true. It was $121 on the PA turnpike. Oh, that's brutal. Both, round, oh. Both, both ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we got I, the bill yesterday. I was like, are you fucking shitting me? There should not be a pothole anywhere in that goddamn road. <laughs> yeah, I no mean, shit, right? Think about the hundreds of thousands of vehicles that are on that road. And yeah. that, you know, we're looking at 50 cents a mile. I guess that's life on the East Coast. Yeah. Shiny clothes and toll roads. It's kind of how it's kind of <laughs> how we live. <laughs> shiny clothes and toll roads, huh? <laughs> yeah, real shiny sweatpants. That's right. Yeah, my shiny Elton John sweatpants must, and toll roads. Must like it down there. And cicadas. <laughs> cicadas. We got a lot of those, yeah. Those are loud, annoying pieces of shit is what they are. <laughs> yeah, and gross. They are gross. And obviously, you know, that's, I think that's like, uh, I don't know. Do you guys have those down south, Nick? No. You, you start getting up to about Virginia before you see them for the most part. Yeah, we had nothing of the sort in Montana. Yeah, they only come around here. here like every like 11 years or whatever. They come up out of the ground and do their thing for like three days and then go away again. Well, you guys get a lot of humidity in Minnesota, don't you, Rob? Yeah, it gets pretty humid in the summer. There's yeah. so much water, man, all these lakes and shit. Yeah. yeah, we don't ever have humidity in Montana. It's pretty damn yeah. dry out there. 
so we don't have to deal with that bullshit. But we got uh, snakes and spiders. <laughs> we got, they got them here too. They're all over the place, but those cicadas are just loud. Oh my God. Anyway, that sounds like fun. Dealing with cicadas, not being able to go anywhere. Uh, did get the get the uh, synergy that showed up. The one I bought last week is here. Nice, nice. So Sick. now I've got one that's almost built, and a whole other kit of spare parts. Nice. Yeah, that's perfect. Uh, Do you See, have to there break you go. It in too, or yeah, I have to break it in. It's got a YS SRX in it. Oh damn. YS. I've always kind of been a, a YS guy myself. No, they're okay. They're fine. <laughs> what do you mean they're okay? They're the best. He's like, they're yeah, no, that's that's a good. They're, they're whatever. <laughs> they're temperamental. They're, I I've always loved them. I've that's pretty much all I ever flew. The only OS engines I ever flew was uh, in the six hundreds, the fifties, and the fifty fives. Oh yeah, yeah, I do like the fifty and fifty five six hundred class stuff because they're just yeah. super easy. Still haven't sorted out. Any nitro fuel. I think that is it S and W, I think is that company out of uh, I thought, Eastern are, Pennsylvania. Yes, they're in Pennsylvania, S and W. So I'm gonna probably go that route. Have you tried that fuel, Devin? I have. Um their YS blend is good. Their YS specific fuel is good. The rest of it is it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they got that. Why is what what is special about the YS blend? What is I, that? I don't know what what the difference is between it. If there's an you know an oil difference for the YS or something like that, but it just runs better. Thirty percent, right? Yeah, or whatever you're gonna you know whatever you're gonna run. I'm pretty sure SNW over there because if I remember correctly, my dad my dad knows him. He mixes the fuel himself, so you can right. kind of. You know, if you want 25, he can do that. If you want 22, he can do that. 30, of course, because 30 is a known, that's a pretty known fuel blend that is good to have on the shelf. So, but you can get, if, if you want it, he'll mix it type deal. Yeah. I think what I do, what I'd like to do is just drive out there and get a couple cases of it. Uh, the the price, the, the savings is fantastic because it doesn't need to be shipped for me because it's only an hour away. Two hours away, I think, hour and a half. That's $200 in tolls, uh, though, right? <laughs> well, I think, you know, look, so if I do go out <laughs> next weekend, this weekend, to Allen Field, I can get there without going on toll roads. I just figured it'd be the quickest, and it probably is the quickest way, but, you know, I'm not going to pay $120 on the Pennsylvania Turnpike to save 30 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, might as well take the scenic route at that point. I, you know, you could pretty much get anywhere you need to go, I would assume, without taking the toll road. Yeah, you, you can. There's always a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. Anyway, that's about it. But kind of a sad, sad <laughs> hobby week for me. It's, okay. it's going to be this way, fortunately, for a number of, well, weeks, months, maybe two months, eight weeks. Got to look out uh, for just yourself first. Easy. Yeah, I got to get it. Got to get it uh, all sorted out. But. Can't fly very well if you can't stand up, Dan. Well, I, that's the thing. I don't. I don't stand at all when I fly. I never have. Oh, you're a sitter. I am. 
I guess I sim sitting, but I have to stand when I fly. It's weird. Yeah, I can't look up in the sky. My back won't allow me to look up in the sky. I can't crook my head back far enough to look up if I'm standing. Oh, yeah. Word. Do you have a decent PC computer at home? I do. I've got a beast. Because I could ship you my VR goggles if you want to borrow them for a few weeks to try VR simming while you're chilling out and uh, it's uncomfortable to sit at a desk if you want to. So, okay. So what is the deal with the VR simming? I don't get it. What What is I heard it. It's kind of cool. You do it too, Rob? No, I heard about it, but I want to try it. What I gather is you're standing there and you can look around like you're at the field and watch the heli go back and forth or go behind the flight line. If you did that, you'd actually physically turn around and see it behind you and stuff. So it's like more immersive, right? Yeah, it's more immersive. It gives you the the thing it does the best is it gives you a much better sense of depth perception, which makes the whole experience feel more really realistic. Like I struggle in this 2D single plane non-VR sim worlds to really get a good feel for the heli, whereas with the goggles on, I can get a much better feel. It, it, I mean, it's not amazingly better, but it's it's much better for me personally. I'm sure everybody's different, but I struggle the sim just on a monitor. What uh, what simulator? Does it matter? Or are they all... I don't know. I use accuracy. No, it definitely that- matters. Um, I mean, you can use VR goggles as basically just a computer monitor you're wearing on your head. So you can right. use it with any sim... But to truly get the immersive experience where you can look around and, and see things, um, you know, the sim needs to be designed for that. And I don't have a comprehensive list. I use AccuRC, which, you know, does work with the VR goggles. Um, I can't speak to other sims whether they do or don't. Well, that's I'm what sure I have. more than one. I actually have that and I have Real Flight, I believe, 10. I don't, I don't remember. I never, I bought it, but I never <laughs> installed it. I, I heard Real that Flight next is half. good. I haven't tried it with the sim goggles yet, though, to see if it works. I heard Rob, that I Next used to, does VR. I haven't tried I that I used one. to use Next. I oh, used okay. to really like that sim. Uh, yeah. When I was using Mac, I think all of us in the V2 days used that sim. Uh, what's it? Phoenix, right? That's the other one that everybody used to use. Yeah, Phoenix get. was yeah. big. Yeah. Dude, I have with that, I have a cracked copy of Phoenix on here with the USB dongle crack, and then so I don't have to use that stupid-ass cord. And so now I just use the Spectrum little flight sim dongle and my radio master, and then I can hook it up to my TV or wherever I want and stand back and shit. Yeah, I'd like to try one of these newer ones, though, but Phoenix gets the job done for me now. Yeah, they're Excellent. all pretty good. AccuRC is pretty good. Um, I, I've flown on HeliX, the, which is a newer one. Um, the physics is really good in it. The, the HeliX physics is amazing. It's the most realistic I felt. In a sim Devin, you spend time. a lot of time tuning in the sim? I, or do you just kind of like out of the box, whatever they have available? I'll fly out of the box if I'm not feeling it, but I usually do take like, you know, 10 minutes to put in what I roughly like to get closest to the feel because for, for me, it helps the most in translating the moves that I'm trying to learn to my heli. We need to we need to talk about that not, not today. We need to have a, a good discussion about that because one thing that I really struggled with with simming was um, tuning it. Like I always just kind of had to go with what was available because I just never really could wrap my head around what exactly am I doing 
when I make this change or that change and, and really understanding, is it affecting the flight characteristic? Is it making it better? Is it making it worse? And you know what I mean? It's just, it's kind of felt like a, I don't know, just like a rabbit hole of not getting, you know, spending time and not really getting any benefit out of it. Yeah. Yeah, It was an update for the update. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it pays to do a few things. Like I like to just mess with the agility or whatever they call it in the sim and the yaw rate just to at least get that close. I don't spend a lot of time, but, you know, it just, it needs to uh, pyro and it needs to flip at a rate that feels at least loosely close to what it is in real life for me. I agree with that. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, back in the, when I used to fly on real flight, I never really messed with it because it was all different really in a way. Nothing really translated back and forth through agility and stuff like that versus on the newer sims like AccuRC and even even Next, if we want to go to Next and HeliX, they took what you see in your radio and kind of put it up into their sim so agility is agility you have your gains you have your head speed you have your plus and minus pitch so it's really easy to identify what you want to mess with that's good well that you know when accuracy first came out it almost felt like it was a well for my perspective anyway it kind of felt like it was not only a flight simulator but a tuning simulator yeah I could, because it I was could it was really um, really into the nuts and bolts, and frankly, that's what I didn't like about it when it first came out. That was years ago. That was two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. I think so, right around that. I, I use it now as well. To, to be honest, the only the main reason I have it is because I happen to use Steam. <laughs> you yeah, know? And it's it's just a great way to to always have it available. If you ever switch a computer, it's super easy, right? You just Log in your Steam account, and there it is. Boom, right there. Exactly. I'm I, I'm still not comfortable with with tuning in in a sim, but um, you know, one thing that I always kind of use the sim for, as I think most people do, is yeah, it's not flying like maybe my helicopter does, but at least I am getting the muscle memory. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very similar. Not that we're having a conversation about sims, but we're having a conversation about sims. I, I have a question for you, Devin. Yes. Considering the level at which you can fly, when you were kind of progressing up and and getting better and better, how prevalent was the sim in your progression? Um, basically non-existent. That's what I like to hear. Strangely enough, I do like that. Yeah, I did. Everything was like, all right. Well, I know because for me, I spent a lot of time when I was younger when I'm just hovering around and all the orientations and doing circuits and all the orientations. So when I would go to do something and I would get in that mental block of like, Oh crap, this is new. Like, are you sure you can do this? I would just revert to like, but you're just going through this orientation, this orientation and this orientation, and you know, all of them. So just do it. If you mess up, you just got to push the stick one way and you're going to fix it. It. Yeah. That's how I learned too. the bailout. Yeah. It's well, so Rob, when you and I were learning how to fly, yeah, sims were there, but I, I know you kind of started with smaller helicopters, and I was maybe a year or two or three before you. We didn't have little helicopters. And simming wasn't super, yeah, people did it. It sucked so bad. Well, yeah, it was just, 
I don't know. There was really mixed opinions about it. And I was for a long time, I was like, no, Sims. I mean, if you look, listen back to old versions of the show, I mean, getting me on a simulator was like asking me to, (laughs) I don't know, go roof a house or something. It's just way too much work, (laughs) you know? I mean, obviously there's a benefit. I get that. I don't think it's for everybody. I love hearing stories like yours, Devin, where you're just like, yeah, you know, Sim was there, but it really wasn't that prevalent. But there are also stories that are exactly the opposite. If you guys will remember back, and I know, Rob, you remember Callum Vickers. Yeah, dude, I remember that guy. So he was on in the early days, and he was a he was a really good pilot. But this is a kid that never flew a real helicopter. And for two years, he flew a sim. Like someone gave him a simulator, probably Phoenix. I don't remember which one. And then saved up and bought a helicopter, a 600. And within, I don't know, 10 minutes, he's doing piroflips. Yeah. Beating the shit out of it. I mean, like the first flight of a real helicopter, he was flying it like he had been flying for 10 years. Yeah. I've, I had a, there was a kid that I also met at HOD one year, Helly's over Delaware when that event was still going on. Um, same thing. He had simmed for like a year straight of like every day, like an hour or two, he would sim, never flew a helicopter. And then he came to the event and I was like, and with his first heli, only a handful of flights on it. And I was like, holy crap. This kid is throwing down and it just mind boggled me like of, of how much the Sims have progressed throughout the years to give you the capability of doing that. Yeah. And plus you young kids, I mean, shit, you're, you're kind of getting to that age range where you're kind of considering an old man. Yeah, exactly. With, uh, with the highly skilled pilots. Cause geez, these kids, these 10, 12, 13, 14 year old kids, man. Oh, they're they just can, they beating the shit up. out of those helis. They do. I see it. I'm uh, even... We were talking about the one day there's a kid from down, I think he's from Virginia. His name's Val, and he's he's 13. And every time I see him, he, he's got this new move. And I was like, wow, it took me three months to figure that out. And it took him like two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Valentin is good, man, for sure. All righty, guys. Well, I think maybe we should go into some news. Do you have any news this week, Nick? Well, we got lots of news this week. Actually, <laughs> called the 150 fx it is a ready to fly fixed pitch full fuselage helicopter so that's really the thing that differentiates it from uh some of blades other fixed pitch helicopters and that it looks kind of like a scale helicopter um neat it only comes fully complete ready to fly so it comes with a basic transmitter and a battery and a charger uh it is 179.99 you know, nothing super exciting here. It is slightly larger. Uh, it's got a 332 main rotor diameter, so you can fly it indoors or outdoors. 
comes with a few crash parts uh, to kind of get you started with your first repairs. And at that price point of 180 ready to go, you don't need to buy anything. You know, it might be something to think about if you've got someone on the fence, you kind of want to try getting them in the hobby. It's kind of a Christmas present to sort of set the hook in somebody uh, in hopes that they'll come back. I'm sure it has stability modes and whatnot as well, suitable for beginners. Uh, so that's Blade's new release this week. Uh, and actually, speaking of Horizon Hobby, they also launched a new discussion forum platform called rcnation.com. Uh, it's only really been online for about a week at this point, so there's not a lot of traffic on it yet. I did kind of look around and, and see how they had categories and things divided. There's not a lot sort of geared towards helicopters in general. It's very much geared towards their brands. So if you're into blade helis, I suspect the forums may be very helpful to you. Uh, if you're into other brands of helicopters, I don't think there's currently a lot of content uh, there for you. But uh, again, if you're into blades, check that out. All right, that's it from the Horizon camp. Uh, let's head over to SAB and Goblin Helicopters. We're going to talk about the RAW 420 again. I look forward to an episode where we don't have to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, this is just kind of an update for all RAW 420 owners. And uh, if you've been on the Hangout group on Facebook, you've uh, seen some of this traffic as well. There's been at least two RAW 420 kits I'm aware of now that have the wrong size dampers included in the kit in the parts bag that's associated with the step where you're putting together the main rotor head. Uh, the end result, if you use these smaller than intended dampers, is you get a lot of slop in the head and poor flight performance, right? And you can notice this if you actually uh, try and rock the head back and forth by holding onto the blade and seeing if you can move the head of the helicopter. It'll move up and down way more than it should, and it'll feel you know, probably loose to you if uh, you've built a kit before. Um, the way to tell if you have the right or wrong size dampers, um, the, the best and most accurate way is to take your digital calipers. You do have a set of those because you should have a set of those. Uh, yes, the inside should. diameter of the O-ring should be 6.75 millimeters. Um, but uh, the other way you can check is there's a spare parts bag in the kit. So anyone that's had one of these kits that has the wrong size dampers has actually found the correct size and SAB kindly puts these spare parts bags in their kits. So it's just some extra, you know, ball links, odds and ends, shims, etc. Um, and if you have a set of dampers that are larger than the set that are included in the set, those are the correct ones to use. Uh, Scott Graham actually was helping someone out and he's the one who discovered what was going on here. Um, so even those that were sent the wrong size dampers had the right size in the spare parts bag. Um, so if you have a raw 420, you know, definitely check this out. Um, you know, definitely don't settle for sloppy head. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, thanks to Scott Graham for finding the fix. Uh, Andy Philo, forgive me if I got that name wrong for posting about it on Facebook for others. And uh, Andy also posted a follow up. Uh, SAB support has acknowledged the issue and uh, they said it's only affecting a small number of kits and uh, they sent him a new set of dampers on the way. So don't hesitate to, you know, make sure you register any of your Goblin kits when you build them and then reach out to SAB and say, hey, I got the wrong size dampers and they will get another set out to you right away. That's super cool. They're being super proactive about that. I saw the post and about them being in the spare bag on some of the kits or whatever. Yeah, nobody wants sloppy head on 420, man. Yep. <laughs> um, so <laughs> that's just the general consensus all the way around. Are you sure you don't want sloppy head? Oh, Devin. Devin, Devin, Devin. <laughs> You're young. You'll learn. <laughs> you need a wipey? All right. 
yeah, I will say, Rob, back to your point there. Uh, SAP in general has been very good and very proactive. You know, anytime there's an issue in their kit, not only will they proactively announce it the second they find out about it, but anyone who registers their kits, you know, in, in the past, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was something in the transmission of a helicopter several years ago, but they just sent everybody who registered that helicopter out a new part who had one cool. of the affected kits. Um, yeah, that's cool. You know, no questions asked. Even if you hadn't asked for a new one, if you had registered and, you know, they had your address on file, they just sent you one. So um, yeah, they're some- not afraid to get right on top of things. Yeah, sometimes companies, shit happens, right? It's really cool to see it when they're like, hey, man, you know, keep an eye out. And they, they follow up and they get it fixed. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, and now for the most exciting news of the week, uh, Scorpion Power Systems has announced a small update to their ESC fan. Yes, that's right. Their 40 millimeter cooling fan now comes with a Y-shaped lead attached to it to simplify connecting one to their 200 and 300 amp speed controls. Uh, so yeah, not terribly exciting news here. But if you're in the market for a fan for your 200 to 300 amp ESC, Scorpion's design one. So now you don't have to use your own Y lead to kind of plug it in. If you use your ESC in quote a hard manner or fly it in hot temperatures, uh, they're certainly recommended, and they are in stock now at your favorite Scorpion dealer. Uh, actually, speaking of Scorpion, the next couple of pieces are going to be about them. They've also recently updated their telemetry setup guide when working with Futaba radios. Uh, so if you go to scorpionpowersystem.com, uh, you can find the article. Uh, and so if you have a Scorpion ESC and you're trying to get telemetry set up with uh, Futaba CGY or Futaba system, um, there's updated information on how to do that. All right. Last piece, and certainly the news of the week, also from Scorpion. Uh, and at first, I'm just going to kind of quote um, from this news release that came out this morning. Uh, they said that they have a, quote, critical update for their Tribunus 2 speed controllers. Now, this the way that this update was phrased kind of sits a little funny with me, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit here. But I'm going to read this verbatim first. So, quote, at Scorpion, we collect data, parentheses, ESC, motor size, brand used, use case, etc., parentheses, from all our RMA or warranty cases. So anytime you return an ESC for repair, they keep track and gather as much info as they can. I'll continue reading verbatim here. So after reviewing the data from our RMAs, we noted a higher propensity of failures on customers using certain non-Scorpion brand motors. This led to a slew of investigations and comparative testing on our part to identify the root causes. After our investigation, we found some other brand motors use poor quality stator material, which provide longer DMAG times and lower torque per amp ratios. The combined effect in certain use cases could lead to increased chance of failure when used with Tribunus ESCs. So essentially what they're saying here is if you use a non-Scorpion brand motor with one of their Tribunus 2 ESCs, you should install this critical update. Now what I find cute, and I say that sarcastically, is the how they refer to all non-Scorpion motors as using poor quality materials. So to me, this begs the question, right, is why is it that YGE and Hobbywing and Contronic and every other brand of ESC has no problem driving these other, you know, motors, right? Um, right. And, you know, and on one hand, I want to applaud any manufacturer, right, that recognizes a problem between their product and anyone else's product, and they rectify it, and they proactively release an update. That's great. We want people to do that. But uh, for me, this just doesn't sit well with the way they phrased this, right? They're essentially blaming the problem on other motor brands. Uh, I don't understand why they didn't just release the update and say, hey, we've got increased compatibility with a wider range of motors. Um, 
And, you know, sort of taking that tact as, you know, hey, we've just improved our ESE versus making a dig on it. And just the way they say that, you know, if you have a Scorpion motor, it's fine. Uh, I don't know. I, it didn't sit right with me. What do you guys think? Well, I know, I know why they did it. Why is that? Their marketing team didn't consult Nick before they released that statement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way. So I I've always... I've always, at least historically, remembered Scorpion as making some some pretty badass motors, right? For a time there, they were kind of on top. We talked about Thunder Power from the vintage days of Heli. You know, back then, Scorpion was doing that. And, you know, if I extrapolate that progression out till now, you know, maybe we're looking at a situation where they've they've tuned up the spec in their motors to such a point, you know, their, their price point allows them to do things with their stators or their windings. That allows them then in turn as a side effect to be more, uh, how do I explain it? They can, they can tighten up some of the parameters in their speed controllers because of how they're testing with their motors and stuff. It's like maybe they lose sight of the wider perspective. Like, yeah, it's great that you've got this ESC that's super tuned up to run with your motor. But if you just put it out of spec to where the rest of the industry can't really be very compatible right? Then you need to dial it back. And maybe that's what they're doing. But I kind of agree with you, Nick. If you're trying to color it like our shit's so good that we got to, everybody else's shit sucks. I don't know if that's the right tack to take because now you got all these people out there with, you know, with Scorpion equipment and non-Scorpion motors that, that just got slapped in the face after spending hundreds of dollars on the speed controller. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, you bought our speed controller, but since you're, you drive this other motor, it's not our motor you got to fix it because you're going to break it. It's your fault. No, yeah. you know, it's yeah. not. So that's my two cents. Yeah, it's. Uh, it's cool. They fixed it, but, you know, come on. We yeah, talked, I, I, I'm the I hippie I'm here, just, right? It's about karma. Come on now. Yeah, I'm just generally a fan of kind of high road marketing, right? Like taking the higher road versus versus that. But uh, a couple of other things to this update just briefly here. Um, if your Scorpion ESE has the mini USB port on the side, this update will work uh, with it. If it does not have that mini USB, so some of the older Tribunus ESCs, uh, this update will not work with your speed control. Um, this update also does include a couple of other uh, minor improvements. Um, They've updated the milliamp consumption telemetry, so that should be a little more accurate than in the past. Um, they've improved auto timing functionality, and for those of you still back in 1992, they've made some tweaks to the stick programming functionality for your ESC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and uh, that's it uh, for Scorpion. I did see uh, some folks asking Scorpion uh, in some of the, the comments on the public posts of these press releases today about these ESCs that don't have the mini USB port and whether they plan to release an update uh, for those at some point. And it, although Scorpion didn't officially say anything, it does not look like they are going to from what they were inferring uh, in the comments they made. And uh, that is it for the news this week. Fantastic. Wow. There's a lot of news this week. It was a lot of news this week. It's a lot of talking. You okay, Nick? You need some water? I'm all right. You're all right. Shot of whiskey? <laughs> yeah, that'll help. Maybe so, some vodka. So I got a news report. So what? I, yeah. So I saw that there's this new battery uh, battery manufacturer. It's named Fluid Energy. And apparently the way it works is you you buy the battery pack. It's a soft pack, right? And the first time you fly it, 
it'll have whatever milliamps that you bought it at, right? But then it comes with this little injector module and you can pour more milliamps into it if you want to use it as a bigger battery. Or if you want, you can put it in there and suck some out and make it into a smaller battery. Is that right? Is that factual or? Oh, yeah, Devin. Yeah. It's a real thing. It is. <laughs> At RCHN, we always report the news as we see it. Yeah. Devin. Or, or we make shit up if we have to. <laughs> here's, here's the thing if you read it on the internet, it's, it's real. real. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, like sitting here trying to comprehend how that would work. And I'm like, <laughs> whoa, that's amazing. It's a Dude, very it's, special syringe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's, like, it's whoa, this, this is some high tech technology. Yes. It's like a, this elastometallic polymer. It just infuses with the lithium polymer that's inside. And so when you squish it, it kind of goes. And then do you get a nice little shock when you do it too? No, as long as you're touching your tail boom or like a piece of carbon, you're good. Oh, perfect. Touch your tail boom on your own time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, that was the news. We don't really have much to talk about, but there was an event. Oh, no. And it sounded like it was a heck of an event. One big heli fest. What was it called? Heli Heli extravaganza. It was good. That was in uh, someone, where was that? South Carolina? Yeah, Uh, Woodruff, South Carolina. Yeah, that place. Was it extravagant? Uh, Yeah, the mile drive to get to the fun fly was great. What do you mean the mile drive? Well, because when you pull into Triple Tree there, because it's at, if anyone knows where it is, it's Triple Tree. It's where Joe Nall takes place for the airplane side of the it's a huge place. It's an active airport. It's like a, I think I, I asked one of the guys there. It's a 6,000 foot runway, grass runway. It's huge. The place yeah. is huge. Yeah. They got that big pond at the end, right? Well, they yep. got a couple of ponds, actually. They got like three or four ponds back there. And then the river as yeah. well. But like when you pull into the gate, you're like all excited and, and you just realize you, you see and you squint and you're like, oh, there's the field where we're flying at all the way back there. <laughs> but you can't get there from here you gotta like follow this winding road and you're like no i want to go that way yeah i just want to off road across the grass like just get me there yeah like the wally world parking lot you're like i'm almost there come on yeah exactly <laughs> I, I will say from a facilities perspective though it's awesome oh it like was the, amazing the bathhouse has got to have i don't know 15 stalls and another 15 shower stalls and you know they distribute power to the whole flight line, uh, so you don't need a generator if you don't want to bring oh, that's one. Nice. Um, so, and it's you know putting green grass. So, oh yeah, really it was nice. so short. I was very impressed with that. That mower that they had too was insane because they were mowing the grass the first day when we got there f- to prepare for the event, and it just trucking along. What to wreck or what? <laughs> <laughs> He's mowing the grass for them guys or what? I think and no, it was Nick. Nick was mowing the grass for us. Ah, he's such a nice guy. Yeah, we were all giving him compliments. Seems like a fairly inefficient way to get that job done. Yeah, yeah. He put his radio down on the ground after it started and just kind of let it grow cross on its own, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But no, the bathrooms were amazing. They they were like, I don't know if they power wash them like frequently or anything, but the wood looked all fresh and everything like that. And it was just amazing. Amazing facilities. Super clean. Great yeah. facilities. 
tons of RV hookups, tons of, you know, primitive camping area, um, just tons of room in general. Yeah. And uh, for what I learned when I was there is apparently where we, they had all the RVs for the event is all new. That back there was all wooded area uh, fairly recently that they did all that. So that's all new parking spots and everything like that. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. This was my first time there. So just one of the coolest fun fly fields ever then is what it, you're saying. Basically, it was, just it was really one good. One of the most awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Sure. That's pretty rad. It's relatable to, uh, I don't know if anyone here has been to Fredericksburg, Virginia, but they have the bathrooms and the showers there and they're pretty nice as well. It was very relatable to that for me where you don't have to rely on the water in your trailer to take a shower or go to the bathroom. You can go and get a nice private shower and shit, you know? Nice. Yeah, no, it does. It makes a big difference, honestly, because, you know, it, it, it's a big upgrade from Porta Johns, which makes a big difference. And you can take a shower whenever you want. And it was hot. So being able to run for a shower was huge. Yeah, I was, I'm not built for that weather. Yeah, that was that was brutal. Yeah, I, I looked because the AC in our trailer stopped working throughout the day. And we were using that to run away and get away from the heat. And we walked in there and it was like walking into a sauna. Dude, it was that's the fun. worst. Yeah. yeah, I could imagine, man. Yeah. So uh, how yeah, many pilots? Was there a ton of pilots there? Or what? Actually, I do have the count. There, they Jay Treadway, who was one of the guys helping out, the RCHO guys down from North Raleigh, North Carolina, did do a lot for Triple Tree. There was a hundred registered pilots. Very oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it was a very good event. Um, the flight line was so big that a hundred pilots looked small, but there were a lot of people there. I had a yeah, great that was time a great turnout. Going. Yeah, it was a great turnout. It was packed. The, the flight line was, was, I don't know, it seemed like there were people lined up at every flight station. Like, not super deep, so you didn't have to wait very long. No, there definitely was, you know, at certain times during the day, like prime flying time, there definitely was, you know, two or three deep you would wait. and But you knew everyone there still because it was still common people that were going out flying. I didn't really see any too new of faces while I was down there. But so you could just get to talk and try to, drive people into the ground by talking to them and heckling them so <laughs> I, I did meet one new person did you yeah yes yeah. some 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 kid named Devin. somebody around I, I don't know who you're talking about yeah i heard don't he's a douchebag wait wait a, wait <laughs> a minute a hold on hold on guys wait are you guys talking about the thing the same uh event you guys went to the same thing ah i see yeah yeah i had never met Devin face to face until uh he walked into my tent and i said it said hello Hey, yeah. that's pretty rad. And, yeah. uh, I met McToon, Devin's dad, who was awesome. And I was like, man, he's way funnier than Devin. But I, I'm pretty sure we've <laughs> met our quota of old people on this show. So we, you know, we had to go oh. with Devin. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. He is way funnier than me. He has more experience, no. you know? Your dad was a riot, man. I had a great time talking to him. Oh, uh, he's he's great. He's an yeah. awesome dude. And um, yeah, your kids. I thought I was going to have to babysit Nick's kids for a little bit there. Oh, was that an option? Because I would have so done that. Uh, well, I'm happy I didn't make it an option now. I, didn't, I, I wasn't sure if you would take it up or not. <laughs> yes. I would have been like, <laughs> yes. And I would have run out to the flight line. Yeah, Never right. ask a father yeah. if you can babysit their kids while they're out on excursion because the dad will be like, yep, you bet. Yep. Here you go. I'll be back in three hours. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> while, while we're on that subject, I do want to say a few thank yous as far as that goes. So 
there were a few guys uh, who did help me with my kids uh, throughout, which was awesome. And if you ask my kids about, like, did you have fun at the Fun Fly? Like, what were your favorite parts? They all talk about three things. Uh, the time Lamont James let him try their, his Segway. Oh, and they boy. went up and down the flight line a few times on his Segway and loved that. So thanks, Lamont, for that. That was awesome. Uh, the time Steve Yoon let him try his uh, one wheel, which is like a skateboard thing with a giant tire in the center. Uh, so they tried that for a little bit with with me supervising, but thanks Steve for giving them a crack at that. And then uh, Sean Hall was taking my kids up and down the flight line in a golf cart, and then even gave my son a megaphone for a minute. I, I fortunately was out of earshot, so I have no idea what he was shouting. <laughs> it, was, it was on good behavior, but thanks Sean for uh, zipping the kids up and down. They're like, we got to go more. We want more golf carts and more one wheels and more you know segways. Yeah, that's they awesome. Were, they had a good time, dude. They were yeah. a ball of fun. Yeah, they had a great time. Unfortunately, you know, I'd hoped, you know, I'd heard, you know, Steve Yoon on his podcast was talking about, you know, kids at Fun Flies and bringing your family. And I was like, I'm going to try it. So this was the experiment. Like, I'm, I'm going to bring them and see how it goes. And the kids had a great time. I didn't really get to fly a whole lot. Like the kids were, you know, they're kids, right? So it was just a little bit of high maintenance. Yeah, Unfortunately, yeah. Everyone else's kids, it was so hot, just hid in their trailers. So there were no other kids to them to play for. So that meant daddy had to play with them, which was fine. And we had a good time. Um, yes. But it just meant I didn't really get to fly as much as I might have liked to. So it was a bit of a failed experiment as it comes to like bringing your family to a fun fly. But my kids had fun and that's what really matters. I do and I, say though, to that point, there, I, this is the event. This event is probably the most kids I've seen in family-oriented event ever. There were really? so many families there. I saw like a few of them like outside on the edge of their camper and then they would like go back in. Like, yeah. Well, I didn't see a lot of kids like running around. Like usually at a fun flight, there's like that pack of kids running around and and that didn't seem to happen. Yeah. It was, well, what was it? It was like 98 degrees down there. It was hot. And uh, Steve Young's trailer that he rented became the uh, kid house and they were all chilling out over there. So that's from what I understand. That's, they were all chilling out with, with Chloe, which is Steve's daughter and uh, right Hunter, his son. And what from what I heard from everybody that brought their families is that they all had a great time and there wasn't really any complaining about, you know, I'm bored or anything like that. And it definitely was a very family oriented event. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, for that's sure. a good deal. Um, yeah, we just didn't find a lot for them to do that didn't involve me, which just meant I was doing fun things. And like it's and Triple G is great too. Like we went to all the other flight lines. We watched uh, a turbine jet fly at another runway down, uh, and some ducted fan stuff. And my kids had a ball doing that. So that's awesome. They were super yeah. cool. Your your kids were amazing. Just very high energy. Still, I see. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> which is why, like, I have to always be on the go with them yeah. and go do stuff. And, you know, they, they're not going to sit around a tent on their tablets while I go fly or whatnot. You know, they're yeah. just not into that, which is great. I love that they're, you know, want to be outdoors and doing stuff. Yeah, that's great. They were amazing. They were super kind, awesome, and, of course, cracking people up like kids do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, did you get much flying in, Nick? So I actually didn't fly at the fun fly at all. I charged batteries. I was ready to go, but like at every opportunity, something would happen. You know, one kid would hit the other and there were tears or, you know, it just, it didn't work out. And I kept going like, all right, guys, are you good? Can I go fly? And they were like, no, we want to go back to that spot and, you know, play in the <laughs> pond or whatever. And, you know, I just 
didn't, you know, I wanted this to be a great weekend for them. So it just, you know, kind of didn't work out for me in that regard. Uh, I did have a great time on Friday night. Like once I got the kids settled down in the tent, cause we camped on the field, uh, you know, not far from the flight line, um, got the kids all settled down. They passed out asleep at like, I don't know, eight, eight thirty on Friday night. And I had a blast Friday night, hanging out with a bunch of people, watching them night fly. I'm not much of a night flyer myself yet, but, uh, I like I that you to, put yet in there. I'm really happy. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm hoping to get there, uh, you know, slowly but surely. I did buy a set of night blades. Uh, thanks, Mike De Palma, for putting that order together. So I just got a set of rail uh, main and tail blades, night blades, and batteries and all that stuff on the way. So I'm oh, hoping that'll nice. give me a little more confidence to fly under the lights, knowing what, that if what I size did light, you get? Just out of curiosity, uh, uh, there's 700s or 715s. I because forget which. I think I'm looking to get rid of a set of rail blades, and I have 600 night blades as well. If you would be interested. No, but thank no. You. Okay. Dude, I might be interested in those, dude. Yeah, I have a set of, they're 626 rail night blades with tail blades as well. So if, if, if you would like them and, and you can get more use out of them, I'll send them your way. There you go. Wait, those I'm will fit really... on my 600, won't they? Wait, those they are kind of big. They should. They're 626s. That's oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that'll work. Yeah, they should fit on the 600. They'll be on the bigger side, but... I don't really do hard 3D with night blades anyway because they fly yeah. pretty different. Right, right. And, um, but they look cool, and it's really cool to do big technical air stuff with them. So, time lapse photography. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Like the night magic blades. Those are cool. Yes. Speaking of night flying, man, so the stuff I saw Friday night was, was epic. So, Scott uh, Graham and Steven Sarand. Uh, two pretty badass pilots were just, they put on a duel with Scott's Puma. Uh, and I've never seen someone fly someone else's helicopter so aggressively as the way Steven Saran was flying Scott's heli. It, it, you know, it was like it was his, it was, and, and Stephen flying at night the same way, like Stephen is a, is a hard smack 3d on the deck the whole time or huge big air stuff. And then slamming it right back inches from the deck. Um, scary stuff. <laughs> and like, he was just, I mean, it was, it was nuts, um, watching him fly a borrowed helicopter on night blades, um, <laughs> in the dark, just, just beating the piss out of the Puma, huh? beating the hell out of it. And there were a couple of times where, you know, the ground wasn't perfectly level and, and you would catch a slope like in the light coming off the blades and like almost hit the ground. And I don't know, it was exciting as hell to watch. Yeah. There was kind of a small crowd around those two and, uh, and they were doing, you know, inverted autos in the dark with night blades. That was pretty badass to watch. <laughs> That's uh, cool. At one point, Stephen totally touched the tail. It was like the tail fin hit magically and the blade survived. And then the thing settled in from an inverted auto and we all were thrilled and clapping and, <laughs> and hollering. It was awesome. Those those two were uh, were just killing it Friday night, man. It was fun. Devin, I saw a video. Oh, uh, which one? It was a video that Augie was doing. Oh, boy. That video. <laughs> the 2700 RPM video? Yeah. Well, all I know is this. I dare you to put that video on and close your eyes and just listen. <laughs> Don't do it. You'll be scarred. <laughs> all you need is some bow chicka bow wow music in the background. Yeah. Oh, baby. That's the way I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. Very seventies sketchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Skinamax. But dude, talk about some amazing flights. I mean, 
obviously, Devin, you, you had some good flights, but man, there were a ton of really good videos coming oh, out of that fly. Yeah, for sure. Ton. Friday night was unbelievable the amount of people that were flying more than i usually see at fun flies nowadays a lot of people go to bed um and then it even carried on into saturday and even though it was supposed to rain so a lot of people went home or went back to their hotel for the night and it ended up not raining or drizzling for about 10 minutes and the night flying was off the chain everyone was flying so aggressive and so low it was unbelievable. And over the pond, aggressive and solo. I mean, Dan oh, Rodin was killing it um, as I'm, usual. Yeah, I mean, there was one that went beyond the low in the pond. It was, I didn't know. Yeah, you I heard somebody drop the head. I was going to oh, say, I heard yeah. somebody drop the head like in the water and then came back out of it. Oh, yeah, so I Shaggy, think Shaggy managed that. to get in the water and pull it back out miraculously. Yes. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, but, I had uh, some fun over the over. There was a, there's a back pond there over by where the trailers were and, me and Jay Treadway came up with a great idea to go grab spotlights and grab a pro someone's borrowed Protos 380 and fly over that pond. And that was a lot of fun too. You know, you know, getting heckled by Scott Graham right behind me and telling me, you know, touch the blades and TikToks, touch the blade and TikToks. All right, I'll touch the blade and TikToks, touch the blades <laughs> in the water and TikToks and uh and kept flying. That was great. And uh but by far the best pond pole I saw, Nick. I think you know where I'm going with this. Oh, it's Had gotta be Jermaine. It's gotta Jermaine. Be Jermaine. Oh my god! I've never seen water go that high. I mean, the the video is available. It's on Facebook in the Hangout. Um, it, it, even the someone has a still photo. I don't know if they freeze frame the video. Yes, of they like, do. I think Juan did. Splash is like three or four feet high. Yes, like it's insane. And the way, the way it sounded when it hit the water, oh my God. Like you're sitting there and you're like, someone just hit a brick wall. And you just see the water flying. Oh, no, it, I mean, it sounded like, you know, if you take your hand and you slap the water like dead level in a pool and you get that like thwack. I mean, it was, yes. it was amazing. Yeah, that was an amazing flight. Everyone started playing with, there was a prop playing out in the, like a prop out in the water that was standing up at like a 45 nick you probably remember that yeah it's like a statue well not a yes. statue it's like a fake airplane that looks like it's crashing into the water yes and well a lot of people were playing that with that plane while they were flying and we figured out that it had probably a three inch diameter pipe going through it that was holding it up we figured that out by means of a floaty with a unicorn and Scott Graham <laughs> going out on an expedition and, to um, explore the statue. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's how it went. And Rodney ended up climbing this airplane and it did not fall into the water. And that's when we all realized <laughs> there was something external holding that up and we did not <laughs> screw with it anymore because that would make with very explosive carnage. I'm just trying to picture Rodney floating out there on that unicorn thing. <laughs> Actually, That's I think great. it was I think it was Scott floating on the unicorn and Rodney just jumped in. He nice. just went for a swim. Speaking of going for a swim, I gotta give Jermaine to go back to that a lot of credit. So like the dude stuffs his thing, not quite the center of the pond, but not exactly close to the shore. And for me, I would have just been like laughing and bummed out, and then I would have lost all track of where the helicopter was. 
but like Jermaine like just went in the water after it. Like SEAL Team Six just going like, for it. Went str- on a straight line in. I mean, it's on the video. You can watch it. He goes directly to where the hell he went in reaches down and comes up with it and holds it over his head and it's this awesome shot of like the water pouring out of the helicopter as he <laughs> triumphantly holds the parts over his head for sure um, and pulled it right out and and he was uh in the the heli direct team chat today was talking that you know it's survived miraculously well all the electronics survived um he was discussing like do i trust him do i not and you know getting lots of advice on that uh today but uh i'm, I'm stoked that heli will definitely fly again yeah, usually the best bet when you crash in something like that, like if you're flying over a cornfield and you crash or you're flying in a bean field and you crash, is put your radio down without stop, without look, looking away from where you crash because if you do, you'll never find it. Yep. Never find it. And yeah, don't you just got to hyper focus on that for a minute. And then after you go and you got it in your hands, then afterwards you can start laughing and everything like that. But that's easier to say than do. Yes, it is. That's true. Very true. But yeah, Jermaine yeah. threw down an a insane flight. Scott Graham put down an awesome night flight as well with a borrowed helicopter. Um, I had some fun with a borrowed Diablo Nitro. That was uh, Jay Treadways. That was that was a lot of fun. That was a more technical rather than smack flight. And you know, at the end, I threw in a little twist that made everyone go a little bit wild decided on the auto is going to come down and drag the tail across the field. So that's what I did and ended, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> up, and ended up turning the tail at like a 45 degree angle angle. So when I landed the tails all cocked sideways and everything, and <laughs> <laughs> but it was a lot of fun, a lot of badass flying Nick Maxwell, his flying was off the chain. Just ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, uh, I was, um, I was talking to him while he was flying because a lot of the pilots and the, when somebody's flying and you know, they really have a sense of their flights and the maneuvers is you can talk to them while they're flying. That's a, it's a big thing. If someone starts really focusing, they get quiet doing something new, you know, all right, leave them alone. They're, they're focusing. But the whole time I was flying, I was standing next to Nick and he was flying. I was talking to him and the speed that he flies at, is just ridiculous. Yeah. Everything is so fast and so precise and so, laid down some great flights with the Nimbus and the Nick Maxwell edition V2 and um, had a real great time. Yeah, I want to give a shout out too to uh, Mike Demita from uh, our local Atlanta Heli crew, affectionately known as the Tri-Lambdas. He had his huge, I think it's quarter scale, um, scale Schweitzer, I forget what model it is helicopter out there. So I know there were a lot of people taking pictures and videos of Mike flying his uh, giant scale heli around. That was kind of a big hit. So I'm glad uh, Mike was able to get that in the air. It just suffered some repairs from an ESC failure. So he was stoked to get lots of good feedback on that. Yeah. I love watching those scale helis. Me too. I I always have. That thing was beautiful. That it It really was. was. It was a work of art. Yep. Sounds like it was a, I don't know, maybe one that I need to put on my must go to list for next year. I would yeah. I would really say so. And it, yeah. it, it was a lot of fun. Um even though like for standards of events nowadays it was on the bigger side with 100 registered pilots, that's considered a bigger event. It was it still really felt like just a fun flying a bunch of friends getting together rather than a bigger event. Yeah, that's pretty cool. 
Did you guys do anything other things that they have? Like, I remember back in the day, people would do like where uh, on one day, like everybody would all try to hover at the same time or like do the drop the jugs or pop the balloons so, or any of that weird shit. So, so the thing this fun fly is known for is the sliding auto contest. So they actually uh-huh. do it on a different flight line. So this place in terms of RC areas probably has four, I think five. And then there's a bunch of areas you could just randomly decide where, you know, flight lines and no yeah. one will care. But uh, there's one that's got like putting green grass and, you know, these guys go and they mark out all the lines and there's a zero line where you have to touch the skids um, just before the zero for your flight to be considered. And then, uh, you know, you're allowed, the skids can come off the grass. I forget what the rules are for like a second, but you can't have any high bounces or you're disqualified. And uh, they have these skis that, uh, I forget, do you know, Devin, the name of the gentleman that makes the skis? That uh, go on your I think it's... It's Ray, isn't it, from Skid Clamps? That sounds right. Or um, And random helis. But yeah, they're like these big, you know, two or three inch wide skis that you bolt onto your skids or they clamp onto them. And then you do these sliding autos and it's, yeah. you know, a contest they run Saturday afternoon and there's often a bunch of carnage. In fact, uh, my friend Brian Birdsong managed to get the prize for the largest debris field from the sliding <laughs> auto contest. <laughs> so, I do remember that. I missed that one because I was shuffling people back and forth to get to get them to the flight line. And when I came back, I just saw a broken heli on the ground. I missed that detail. Yeah. Did anybody get video of that one? That'd be fun to watch. <laughs> Sorry, Brian, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for your loss, but damn, that'd be cool to see. Yeah, yeah that's right? great footage, right? <laughs> no, Who that was, was awesome. I think it didn't Val win. I don't know. He was practicing a ton the day before. I saw him yeah, practice. I'm pretty sure they did two different like fields in it. They did an overall length where they combined the, the three flights, and that was a winner. And then they did the longest slide as another winner, a second winner. And I'm pretty sure Val took the combined three as a winner. And then I'm pretty sure it was Angel Rojas who won the longest slide individual by itself. That's cool. Nice. That's that sounds like a fun contest. Yeah. So the interwebs tell me that Val has been practicing his autos. I read that in a he video. Re- he really has, and so, I got him practicing some newer stuff too. That you guys will probably see at the next event that he's doing that he goes to because that's how Val works. Every time he goes to a new event, there's something spectacular new that you don't expect. And uh, so while we were here at Heli Extravaganza, he asked me. I really want to learn how to do inverted autos. And I was like, all right, let's go. Nice. Go grab your helicopter. Nice. So I got him. I, pr- I showed him where you want the pitch, the angle you want to come down with the heli. And like within five minutes, he figured it out. So now it's just a, a cool. matter of getting it going and getting the confidence to actually turn off the motor. That's awesome. And I just love seeing, you know, new blood coming into the hobby is great, especially at his skill level. Oh, He's he's 13 years old. He does pyro flips. He does big air stuff, t- TikToks, and multiple orientations. He's he's he really the next. Yeah, and he night flies a lot. Yep. When he goes to do night flight night flights, he puts down like 10 night flights. Oh, I know. Like, usually, it's like anytime there's a lull, he's out there. Yeah, he's maybe he's nocturnal. <laughs> you never know. I'm too old. I'm so- too old to night fly. So, yeah. so Dan, we got to go to HeliX next year and show these young bucks how to do hard sport like a real man. How to, how to hover like a pro? 
<laughs> yeah, man. We can do a hover contest. <laughs> it was a hard hover. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But no, I had a lot of fun. It was awesome meeting you as well, Nick, seeing you in person. I didn't get to see you fly, which was a little disappointing. But that's uh, well, not your fault. If you'd and... seen me fly, it would also be a little disappointing. So <laughs> well, experience. Let me know when you're going to fly and I'll get my bed ready. <laughs> wow. I could, that could be taken so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Take it however you want. <laughs> and I always thought Hellies would get me girls. Oh, well. <laughs> nope. They get you Devons. Well, on that note, no, you guys seriously should try and make it down there. The, the one cool thing about Heli-X, especially with the pilot count where it was, is you really get kind of the best of the Southeast pilots, I think. Like, and the, the, the Southeast crew, and granted, that's really the only area I've been to fun flies at this point, but they're just awesome people. Um, it's yeah. just a great group of people of very varied skill levels, all of which are super open to talking to you and helping you. Like that experience of, you know, Devin helping Val is, is you know, could happen to anybody whether it's nick maxwell teaching you something or you know any of the other guys are uh, really approachable and easy and just you know just fun to be around and you know as much as i didn't get to fly i did spend a lot of time you know going up and down the flight line and just running into old friends and some new friends and just chatting with people and that was awesome no it was it was a good time man no i had a great time walking up and down the flight line and just talking to everybody because you know me especially being from the northeast I don't get to see the Southern crew a lot. It's usually if I go to the fun Frank's fun fly down in Miami, I get to see them, you know, Virginia spring fling fall mow down. I'll get to see them and Urcha. That's it. And I didn't go to Urcha this year. So I didn't get to see like John Elrod. I didn't get to see him at all. And it was great to see him now. And it was just a lot of fun hanging out with good friends that you don't get to see too often. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Rob and I are there next year. How's that sound? You're here sounds first. Awesome. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm, is next, when, when is next year coming? I'm ready. Next year. It's coming next year. Oh, Gotta get man. the dates. It's so far away. Could be the first live show of RCHN 3.0 from Ooh. the yeah, us. Maybe we can do something like that. We, we could. Yeah. Those are great fun to do. I know. Well, because I know the free fall guys usually whenever they're out at Urcha, at least for the past couple of years, they did a live show with, with uh, the smack talk guys and, and just everybody getting all the pros to come up and say something. And it was always fun. So I, I'm, that would be awesome. I, uh, I think we should uh, definitely plan on doing something like that. I know next year, moving into the fun flies, we, we definitely need to pick a couple that the whole RCHN crew can go to whether or not we end up doing a live show or not. It doesn't matter. Um, but at least it'd be fun to go hang out. Yeah. Just get us all together face to face. Just go fly and have a good time. Heckle each other. Do some buddy boxing. Yeah. Oh, I still owe you that. That's right. Don't think I forgot. I didn't forget. (laughs) Maybe this weekend, weather permitting. Oh yeah. Weather permitting this weekend. So in closing, there's a few things I'd like to talk about. First and foremost, just to address a couple of comments that we've received. And I'm not going to go into great detail. And, and frankly, we are not going to beat this topic to death. But this whole Urcha thing, we're not done with it. There's more to come. And I'm going to leave it at that. But we're going through public records right now. We're deciphering through the best of our ability what we can based on what we've been told. And, and how does that 
confer with public record documents, court re- court, re- court records and all that good shit. When we're done with that, we're going to kind of come out with our uh, an episode going over that and we're going to be done with it. The hobby needs to make a decision at that point. We're we, you know, we're not here to make a decision or take a side. We we want to get everybody that wants to have their say about it, give them an opportunity to have their say about it, kind of move on from there. More to come. Another thing I want to talk about real quick, and, and I'm a little uncomfortable talking about it because um, I, I don't want to dwell on this either, but somebody brought to my attention that I should probably explain it a little bit better. And that is this, I mentioned last week, this locals page. In the past, we had taken kind of an advertising business model to help fund the show. Things like going to events as a group, doing live shows, uh, you know, getting the hosting that we need and, and the various things that we have to pay for as a podcast. We, we kind of relied on advertising dollars. We chose to not do that this time around. We want, we want to be free of, of those relationships that allows us to speak, in my opinion, a little more directly and not be kind of cautious of what is said and done based on what's happening in the hobby, based on advertising relationships that we have. In today's world, you know, it, it's a little more common, things like Patreon, things, you know, things like people do live streams to kind of, kind of help fund their, their shows that they're doing, their various productions. So that's kind of what Locals is. It's kind of a support structure for the show. You can join and not choose not to support. And let me preface that with the show is going to be available to anybody at any time for the rest of time. There is no paywall to listen to the show. Basically, it's just a, an opportunity, should you choose, to support RCHN beyond listening and letting your friends know about it. And it's greatly appreciated, and it does help with the administrative costs of, of putting on a, on a podcast, getting the, the various equipment and software and, you know, you name it it can turn into a significant amount of money uh, at, at a point. We're not there yet. We hope to get there, and I have no reason to suspect that we won't get there uh, based on what we're seeing with uh, the response and, and the uh, analytics of the three released, so far released podcasts that we put out. Yeah. If you're so inclined and you want to do that, by all means do that. Don't feel like you need to. Uh, I know everybody's kind of in a different situation and it's certainly not required. It's appreciated. Locals, RCHN V3, or I think it's RC Hilly Nation version three. But there's a link on the webpage, I believe. And there's also one on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see some Sign folks up. already contributed or signed up on there already. So thank you for doing that. That's yeah, really cool. and there's been a few. And uh, again, appreciated. Now, at some point, as we get further along and, and uh, we kind of start getting our act together a little bit better, there will be some incentive. Uh, I'm, I'm working right now on custom shirts for people that decide to support at certain levels. Stickers for those supporters. And these are shirts that you will not be able to buy, only available that way. And then some content, like 
I, I don't know. We, you know, we're, we've kind of always talked about maybe doing some live streams uh, available to supporters. Question and answers, you know, interactive live streams or, or something to that effect. A lot of, a lot of those yeah. details need to be worked out. If you choose to, we would appreciate that, but certainly not required. But that's really all I wanted to say about it. Not required, appreciated, and we'll kind of leave it at that. Yeah, for sure, man. So if you like what you, we do and you want us to help support us, you know, hop on Locals and check it out. Yeah, I think that's about it for this week's episode. Uh, Nick, if I needed to get in touch with you, how would I do that? If you got any bits of news or want to reach out for any reason, you can hit me up uh, via email at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com. Or you can also find me at uh, Facebook at nickwisdomrc. How about you, Devin? Well, if you needed to contact me, you could hit me up on Facebook, Devin McClellan, and shoot me a text through Messenger, or you could contact me at devin at rchnv3.com. I'm Dan. You can reach me at Dan. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Dan at rchnv3.com. <laughs> that would have been pretty good. Hi, Devin. Hi. You uh, also our Facebook page, uh, RCHNV3. Uh, please check that out. You know the guys will be posting there occasionally. It's a good way to kind of see what's happening. Uh, check that out. Also our webpage, uh, www.rchnv3.com. And some good news because I've had a few folks ask uh, Sean, who is handling our webpage stuff, a good friend of mine from Montana he was able to get a direct download it, you know, some folks just want to download it from the webpage. So you can download the show directly from the webpage. It's kind of at the, on the player screen, it's kind of all the way over to the right. It's the last little icon with a little arrow pointing down. Should be able to see it. So all that, those are available now. I know I've had a, a few people ask about that. Of course, iTunes, Podbean. I saw we were getting some downloads on Spotify. I haven't seen a lot from uh, Google Podcast, but I think it's available there. It is. It is? Okay. That's about it. Rob. What? How would I get in touch with you? Uh, it's pretty easy, actually. So here's what you got to do. First, you got to get on your phone or your tablet or whatever and Google wherever like the nearest... Amazon distributor warehouses to where you're located um, or at least you know one that's in the, the Midwest right because that's probably pretty close to me and then you want to this is important you want to write the address down on a piece of paper and put it in your pocket and then after that once you've got the address and you know where that warehouse is at you want to go find Wayne uh, Selinsky I don't know if you guys know who that is that's the guy that made the shrinking ray in Honey I Shrunk the Kids right well, you want to go find his house and sneak into the, his attic when he's doing the experiments and jump into that ray so he shrinks you down super tiny, right? So, and now because you're super tiny, you know, you're so small, you can't use the internet at all. So you wrote that address down on a piece of paper. So now you just want to hitch a ride to that warehouse and find your way into one of my orders because I order stupid shit off Amazon all the time, right? And then one day I'll open one of my boxes and your little tiny ass will be in there and just ask me the question. You just have to do it really, really loud so I can hear it because you're really tiny, right? 
Um, and then I'll answer your question. I'll just whisper so I don't make you deaf and your ear goes out. Um, and then um, you'll have your answer. Uh, if you don't want to go through all that, you know, if you like your wife, you like your life, and you want to be big still, you want to do it the normal way, you can just email me at rob at rchnv3.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook, uh, RC Next Gen, or I'm sorry, Next Gen RC. Um, Instagram at NextGenRC. And then we mentioned my YouTube channel earlier, youtube.com slash NextGenRC. Um, uh, hope to see you on my bench really tiny someday. If not, maybe you'll be in my email dreams. <laughs> I like that one. That was creative. Good yes. job. Yes, sir. All righty, guys. Well, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye.